want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to come out here and be on the stage. This is like really cool. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, and we'll start in the fifth verse in a little bit, but just want to give you a heads up of kind of where we're going to be heading today. This morning, we are starting a new series. We're starting on the breath of heaven. And I'm excited about this series because as we walk through it, when we look in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we find that in the beginning, God reached down into the dust of the ground, right? And he formed a human being, formed God, or man. And when he formed man, it says he breathed into him the breath of life. And so this morning, as we're going to be talking, that word breath that is used in Genesis is the word ruach. They've got a slide here, they can show it to you. But in ruach, it means breath or spirit. And I want you to think about this, that whenever God breathes, it brings forth life. And so as we're going to be walking through this series of what God breathes out upon humanity, we're going to see these places where God's breath is bringing life, whether at times we see it, maybe sometimes we don't fully recognize it, but it is happening around us. And so this morning, I want you just to do something for me. I want you just to think in the privacy of your own mind, think of some times when you have felt or seen the breath of God. Now, maybe it wasn't in, I actually felt a wind go by, but when you maybe were at a time when you felt super empty, you had no hope, you didn't know where you were going to go into the future, and all of a sudden, God shows up, and you encounter God, and you know God's real, and God gets hold of your life, and things change, or you know somebody who was far from God, and all of a sudden they encounter Jesus, and they are a different person because the breath of God has blown on them. Or maybe it's somebody you've known that's been in fear or angst, or maybe you've been that person, and you just can't get any sense of peace, and all of a sudden God shows up and peace arrives. And and you can't make sense of it, but it happens in their life or in your own. Or maybe it's a time when you didn't know what to do. You are at your wit's end in trying to figure out what the future is going to look like and what direction to take and how I'm going to make it all work. And as you're praying and seeking God, all of a sudden clarity comes. And it makes total sense. And I know where to go next. It's a breath of God breathing life into us. Or maybe it's a time when God led you to help somebody else out. You saw them in a place of need, you reached out to them, and because you moved in that flow, you saw God breathe into their life and bring change or transformation or hope. Those are all places we're seeing the breath of God move in our life that's bringing hope into situations. And today we're going to look specifically at this idea of where breath of God comes, especially in those moments where maybe we experience hopelessness. And I want to look with you at Luke chapter 1. We're going to look starting at the fifth verse. And here's one of the stories of Christmas. It's around Zachariah Zachariah and Elizabeth. And here's what the text says. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zachariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God. 
observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And then we find that in the story, what happens is Zechariah is, of course, a priest, and he is invited to go to Jerusalem where he is to give the offering of incense in the temple before God. And while he is there presenting this offering of incense, we find in verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. And Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the people to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, after this is shared, Zechariah speaks to the angel, and the angel appears, and he's Gabriel, which he says, I am the archangel Gabriel. And he says, because, and Zachariah says, how's this going to happen? And, and the angel says, because you have not believed, he says, I am, you will not be able to speak until the baby is born. And so he comes out of the temple, he can't speak, and the people think he's seen a vision, And then we find what happens next. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And and then the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, I know there is a lot in that story that we could unpack. And we're not going to have time to do all of it today. But I just want you to catch a glimpse of the hopelessness that Zachariah and Elizabeth are experiencing in this particular story. Now, we all are familiar that they could not have children. And, um, you know, that's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, if you are one of those persons that you have wanted kids and you can't have children, that is heart-wrenching. And and you've tried everything and just nothing is, it's just not getting any better. I've been and walked with people in that situation. It's incredibly difficult. There can be the sense of feeling self-blame or the sense of maybe blame on another individual. And we find that those same things would have been experienced by Elizabeth, maybe in Zechariah. And the interesting thing is, these people, what we find in the story when we look at it, is Zechariah and Elizabeth, the text says, were righteous. I mean, from the front end, it looks like these folk have it all together, everything's right, they're doing it all good. And not only that, but we find that Zechariah was from the lineage of Aaron. That's important because Moses, you remember, who led the Israelites out of Israel? Moses had a brother. His brother was Aaron, and the first high priest of Israel was Moses' brother. And Zechariah is a direct descendant. And not only that, but so was Elizabeth. They were at the top rung of the priestly ladder. 
And for them, it should, if anything should be going good, it's them. And so now Zechariah has been called up to the temple to offer sacrifice. And that shows Zechariah must be in God's good favor. What about Elizabeth? And so somewhere there's like somebody's, it's somebody's fault they aren't having kids. That was kind of the culture of the time. And the weight fell to Elizabeth. And so we find that in this story, all of a sudden, that because of this, and, and so Elizabeth is dealing with this, and so is Zechariah. And it's not only that they just can't have kids, but also in that day and age, your kids were the ones who took care of you in your old age. I mean, any of you banking on that from your kids? You know, now I am, my mom has let me know that we are off the hook, praise God. She said, you know, and my mom, you would not want, to, anyway, I won't go into that story, but <laughs> she might be watching, I'll be in trouble. So anyway, just saying, um, so we think about that, right? And so not only that, but there was a concept at the time that it was believed that some woman in Israel would be the one who might birth the upcoming Savior. And that took Elizabeth out of the running. I mean, she wasn't in for that. So, so there was this real sense of kind of hopelessness that it happened for them. And it had peaked. Now, I want you to think about if you have ever had a moment of hopelessness, or maybe you're walking through it right now. This can be, it can come at any point in our age. It can come at, maybe it's the death of a dream. You know, you had hoped that things were going to happen, you were going to be at a certain place, a certain plan was going to be followed, and it just hasn't transpired that way. And you say, it's never going to happen. Or what about death of a relationship? Maybe you have loved somebody or you were in love with someone and then the relationship fell apart. And as a result, it broke down and that relationship died. And that was incredible. And there was no hope it was going to get repaired. And that could be not only just, or you maybe the person died and that end of that relationship came. Or maybe it was the death of an opportunity you had a chance, you could do it, but then that opportunity passed, and there's no hope it's coming back. Or what about death of trust? I gave my trust to people, and those around me, they let me down to such a level, I can never trust them again. Or what about death of worth? That you get to a spot where you just so I just don't have any worth. I don't see any value in who I am, because I look at everything, and it just doesn't make any sense those are all senses of kind of our own barrenness in a sense that brings our own sense of hopelessness like Zachariah and Elizabeth and signs of hopelessness are those places where we believe things will never change we stop praying we stop looking for it believing for it working for it we may even give up on God and wonder if we can really even trust God or sometimes we don't give up on God maybe but we give up on people I know um, a couple of months ago, I was at the uh, art exhibit for Walk a Mile with Ember Hope. And uh, if you're familiar with it, you know the story, but if not, uh, Ember Hope is a girl's home, that, uh, Methodist girl's home in uh, Newton, that we help sponsor that ministry. And where foster care kids are there, and many times their lives have just been terrible. They've experienced things that you, can't, you and I cannot even imagine. And they've given them an opportunity where they can take a shoe and they can decorate this shoe telling their life story. And so they do that. And then they write up a write-up and you can read them. And if you've, I was walking at 
Mark Arts through the exhibit and reading those stories, and some of the stories are just horrific. You could just see where the kids, the, the sense of hopelessness of what, I, I don't have any family, I, I, I don't know if I can believe in God. I mean, they're just, they're just at that spot, and it's hard to read. It's hard to go through those moments, and maybe you have been in that kind of space. Well, Zachariah and Elizabeth were their own space of hopelessness. I was, a uh, uh, while back, I was visiting an individual, and this individual was just diagnosed with a terminal disease. It was one of those diseases where there is no cure, and they will just continue to deteriorate until they cannot um, exist anymore. And as we're sitting down and visiting with them, not only this, but they're in the process, because their health has continued to decline, that they're going to have to give up their job. They're finding that because of that, they're, they're struggling financially and they're needing to move into bankruptcy. They're becoming disabled, so they need to move out of their home because they cannot live in the home they live in anymore. And they are got a home of stuff they need to manage, but they don't have family that's going to help them manage it and figure out how to get rid of it to be able to transition to a new place. And all of the pieces that are coming with that. And if that wasn't enough, you know, and then talking to them about, you know, how are, you, what, how's God, how are you meeting God in this moment? And they said, you know, I believed that God would not give you more than you can handle. And then they just broke down. You could see they're at the precipice of that feeling of hopelessness. Can I really still believe? Can I still hold on? And, and I'll be honest, I walked away and I thought, well, God, I know can still do things here. But for them in that moment, they were there in a space where it was, it, was, it was too big. I don't know if we found ourselves there. And, and I know as we move into Advent, I don't want us to be in a, a real downer sense. But this sense of God wants to breathe into those moments of hopelessness, incredible hope. And we see that God does that in the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth in this moment when Zachariah encounters the angel Gabriel. Let me just briefly give you four ways that God breathes hope into us, I believe, that we find through this particular story. So as Zachariah is there at the altar, he is offering incense, which was a symbol of the prayers and the worship of the people going up before God. So Zachariah is worshiping, he's praising God, but there's a sense inside of him that says, I know, God, you're great, but I don't get why you have not given us a child. And then Gabriel shows up. Now, I wish sometimes Gabriel would show up to me. I don't know about y'all, but there are moments. I just wish God would show up in a very tangible way. I need that some moments. But in, in this particular case, it does happen. But here's some things that we learn from the story. First of all, when we're in hopelessness, what God says to Zechariah is God is with you. Now, that may sound trite, but I want us to see that. In the moment when Zachariah is feeling, God, why haven't things gone differently? God shows up in Gabriel. And we find in the story that it said that the angel appeared to him. I want you to know today that whatever moment, when we're in the moments of hopelessness, God is with you, whether you see him or not. God is present with you. And I want you to hold on to that, knowing that when I can't see why, I don't understand, it doesn't mean God has written you off. It doesn't mean God has gone so far away from you. You've gone, done something so bad, God will never come back. One of the key tenets of the Christian faith is we believe God is omnipotent. God is 
all present and God is with you. So I want you to hear that and hold on to that or pass that on to the one who finds himself in a hopeless place. Secondly, in this text, what we find that happens is the angel says something really key to Zechariah. He says, God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. What have you been praying out there that you've been trusting God for that has not happened the way you hoped it would? Zachariah had been praying for years, and he thought maybe God had forgotten. But God says, I have heard every one of those prayers you have been praying. I, they have not slipped my mind. I have not turned a deaf ear to you. God is hearing them. God is walking and knows those prayers. Let me share a text with you from Psalm 62, 5 through 8. Look at these words. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to Him. For God is our refuge. When David's writing this, and he was going through some difficult times, what he found is that when he was going through them and he would pray, he realized that God was the one rock he could stand on. And folks, we're all going through storms at times. But when you go and he was standing on the one rock of Christ, and when the waves and the winds come at him and blow in and threaten to overcome him, he said he continued to put his hope, but I'm going to stand here because I know God is with me, God hears me, and God's at work in this situation even when it doesn't always make sense around me. We have to hold on to that moment. Because think about it. If we lose that footing, where are we going to stand? Where else do we stand that we find who else is going to be with us that we can know? And it's that moment of faith where we stand. And that's what Gabriel is telling Zacharias. Is we, I have heard all those prayers. And we've given our life to Christ. We are on the firm rock. And God hears and is with us. The third thing that he tells that happens in this particular text is he says, God has a word for you. Now, I want you to hear this one. Zechariah has been praying, and he's been praying, and it seems like God has been silent. And in this text, all of a sudden, God shares a whole lot of words about what he's up to. Now, I wish God would do a little more talking to me in a bigger way sometimes. But what I want you to hear is this. Listen when you're in hopelessness, for what does God want to speak over the area you're going through? Last night, I was um, in bed, and I was looking through the text for, for today. And, uh, you know, as preachers, we have to preach the sermon to us too, right? And as I was going through the text, all of a sudden, God highlighted to me a place where hopelessness has kind of started to peak for me in an area of my life. There's, there's a situation going on, something I've kind of said I'm about ready to give up on and, and I don't know what to do about it. And God was kind of like, Mitch, you haven't asked me what I think about that. You haven't asked me what I want to say over that. And so when I got up this morning, that was the first thing I spent time with. God, I'm sorry I haven't done that, but I need to hear from you right now. What do you want to say? What are you up to? 
And I want to encourage that when you're in moments of hopelessness, one of the things to do is just whatever that hopeless situation is, get your Bible out, look at your concordance, or go on the internet and search for scriptures that pertain to that particular thing, and then just start reading them, and, and read them with an open heart, and see if there's one that God jumps out at you in regards to. That something just comes off the page and says, wow, that's exactly what I need to hear right now. Then write that down, memorize it, hold on to it, and pray it fervently. Don't give up on it. And in your private time, just listen. Instead of just, because we can so easily, I don't know about y'all, but I can move into hopelessness pretty easily. I can let my mind run and all the reasons, and I try to micromanage and make it work, and it won't work. And what I find is I have to just let go, give it to God, and say, now, God, would you speak a word? What are you up to now? Because this does not make sense to me. Things aren't happening the way I want it to. And that's, we need to listen for the word God has for you. Romans 15, 4, look at this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. God has given us his word not just as a history book, not just to teach us and say things, but to give us hope. He wants to speak to us from that word. And I find there's an amazing thing about the Bible. Has anybody read the Bible and some verse jumps out at you and you go, wow, that's really cool. And you underline it and you go back later and you read it and you go, why did I underline that? Anybody been there? But then you read something that last time you didn't underline, you go, whoa, that really hits me. See, that's the breath of God breathing out over the word for your moment in that situation. That's the amazing thing about scripture. God continues to breathe in new ways over his word. Here's the final. God is at work. The angel tells, Je tells Zechariah, you know, you've been worrying, you've been praying for years. You're now old and you've, you've given up hope. But he says, I've been working the whole time. I've heard those prayers. And he says, I've been planning. And you've been praying. It hasn't been happening. You've been praying. You think it's not happening. You're praying it's not happening. But look, we're now at the brink of what's going to happen. Because Mary, he hasn't shared all this with him yet. But we see what's happening is Mary has now been born. She's going to be the mother of Jesus. And they've been waiting for the perfect time when Elizabeth and Zechariah, maybe they're not, she's not going to birth the Messiah, but she's going to birth the preparer for the Messiah. And he's, she needs to wait now until this perfect time that lines up with this perfect event so that he can be born, so he can prepare for this one to come. They've been praying for years, thinking God's not doing anything, not happening, but God has been working. And now God's going to reveal it. And I'm not even sure Zechariah and Elizabeth were even alive to see any of that. Folks, I want you to know, God is a God who wants to breathe hope. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't know how it's all going to play out. No, God is with you. God has heard your prayers and is hearing them. God has a word for you and does not want to remain silent in letting you know where you can trust. And God is at work. That's a beautiful thing. Can you imagine Zachary and Elizabeth finally, they're privileged. They get to see then nine months later, they get to hold this child that they have been hoping for their whole married lives. I don't know how it will all work out for us. But one thing I do know this, I have been so encouraged by some of the saints that I've been around lately. 
that are maybe facing the end of their lives. And, you know, you get around them, and they're like, I'm just ready for the next adventure. I just know God's got this. I was talking with an individual today who had lost a spouse um, not so long ago, and they were able to share how they had seen God show up and bring hope even in the midst of those difficult times. God wants to breathe hope into whatever you're going through today or the people who surround you. May we let that breath come and receive it well.